Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kyle Hubbard. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. Let me pray before we get into the word. The title of the message today is The Privileged Authority of the New Testament Priest to Apply the Aaronic Blessing. I know that's a long title. The longer the title, hopefully the better the message. So no pressure on me. But the privileged authority of the New Testament priest to apply the Aaronic Blessing. Not the ironic blessing, the Aaronic Blessing. There's nothing ironic about it. It's the most powerful and real blessing, one of the most in the Bible. So let me pray. I felt specifically led to pray for joy at the hearing of God's word. There's so much heaviness and bad news. Like God's word is only good news, and it's supposed to produce joy in the hearer. That's God's intention with his word. Not to be a, oh, it's the sermon time. It's kind of the, the lull session of the service. This is supposed to produce joy in our hearts. I want to pray that, right? Holy Spirit, you are joy. Jesus, you are joy. Father, you're the father of all delight. Lord, I pray for true delight at the hearing of your word. Would you cause joy in my heart as I hear your voice? And Lord, if you don't speak today, we're going to leave worse off than we came in. Lord, we have to hear your voice. We're still going to leave heavy if you don't speak. So Lord, I pray right now that you would speak, you would break off any heaviness that might have come on your people over the last week, any bugs on their windshield as they've been driving through life. Lord, I pray you would break and clear all fog, all heaviness with your words. Speak through me, I ask you today. I don't want my words, I want yours for myself and for these hearers, your, your people. So we ask for your help today, Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so there's the title. So I got a couple questions for us just to open up this message. First question is, who is in the New Testament priesthood? Is it just a select family like Aaron and his sons? Who's in it? Let's hear John in Revelation 1. What does he say? He says, to him, Jesus, it's up on the screen, who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. That's what we just celebrated. Verse 6, and has made us. He, Jesus, has made us, every believer, kings and priests to his God, to his Father, to him, Jesus, be glory and dominion forever and ever. I didn't make myself a priest. You didn't make yourself a priest. Jesus calls you a king and a priest. Everyone in this room who believes in Jesus has received the body and the blood. You are a priest. Just as much, even more, than Aaron and his sons were priests in the Old Testament. We even belong to a better priesthood, the Melchizedek priesthood, because of Jesus. Who's a priest in here? Raise your hand. Okay. Everyone say, I'm a priest. Every single believer. We all have the authority and really the privileged responsibility. You have a responsibility to priest before God. You have a responsibility to function 
as a New Testament priest. Now, are you going to start going getting lambs and goats and bulls and going to get blood on your hands? No. How do New Testament priests function? What do we do? What do New Testament priests do? 1 Peter 2.5, you also, every believer who raised their hand in this room as living stones are being built up into a spiritual house, a holy, set-apart, sanctified, consecrated priesthood to do what? To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What do New Testament priests do? We offer up the spiritual sacrifices of prayer and worship. Prayer and worship are our primary spiritual sacrifices to our God and Father in heaven. And one of the most powerful spiritual sacrifices, one of the most powerful spiritual sacrifices of prayer we can offer is actually found in Numbers chapter 6 with the Aaronic blessing. Let me read it to us. This is all we're going to go over this morning. These verses right here. And the Lord, here's the blessing. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons. Speak to the priesthood. Who am I speaking to today? The priesthood. <laughs> speak to Aaron and his sons saying, this is the way. This is the pattern, the template for how you shall bless the children of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord bless cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and impart to you real peace. When they do this, when all the priests pray this prayer, look what happens. These are the results. Verse 27, so they, the priests, shall put my name, the very name of God, the God of Israel, on the children of Israel. And this is God's commitment and I will bless them. It's so good. And we're going to, phrase by phrase, break down this blessing. First couple of phrases. Verse 22, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them. So again, who are Aaron and his sons in this context? With a New Testament lens. It's us. Every believer in Jesus Look at the next phrase. This is the way, it's Sarah Adams, <laughs> it's Rachel Powell, it's Louise Kronk. You're Aaron. You're doing that, the big thing with the hands, with the, the breastplate of all the, the cool, precious stones. I did not, but it's a public picture on Facebook, so everyone can see it already. <laughs> Approval granted by Mark Zuckerberg, no? <laughs> right? It's a great photo. We love you, Sarah. She's the altar prayer team's coordinator, so she's kind of public already. I felt the license to do it. <laughs> you see the equal sign? Put your face right there. Put your Facebook profile picture right there. That's you. All right, this, look at the next phrase. This is the way you shall bless your prayer targets. This is the way. What does that mean? This is the pattern. This is the model, the template the model prayer of blessing that I want you to follow. It's an outline. What does this make you think of? 
I believe this makes me think of, this is the Old Testament version of the New Testament Lord's Prayer that Jesus gave us in Matthew 6. Remember what Jesus said? He said, in this manner, in this way, with this template, with this outline, with this pattern, therefore pray. Do you see the colon? I circled it. Say to them, colon, okay, in this manner, therefore pray, colon. This is the pattern, the template. It's so similar. When you think of the Lord's Prayer in the New Testament, think of the ironic blessing in number six in the Old Testament. In this manner, therefore pray. This is the way you shall bless. All right, let's look at the actual, actually, next slide. So I'm just going to translate the first two verses, the introduction to this prayer, this blessing, with a New Testament lens. Everyone got their New Testament glasses on today? So you're going to give me license to translate it. This isn't an actual version. This is just to help us understand, right? I don't want to be heretical, but y'all get it. All right. So here's the New Testament version of the introduction to the Aaronic Blessing. And the Lord spoke to the local church pastor, the Moses of the congregation, the leaders, saying, speak to every believer in your congregation, saying, this is the pattern, Mari, for how you shall bless the Jewish people on this fast and every person you pray for. Speak, Mari, to your prayer target. And then we'll go. Y'all see that? I'm just trying to obey the scripture right now. And so here we go. So my goal for the rest of the morning is simply to open up the pattern, the way, the manner of the ironic blessing. To expound upon it phrase by phrase. So let's look at it phrase by phrase. The first part of the prayer. The Lord bless you and keep you. Notice those first two words. I bless you. No. Oh, no. The Lord bless Frederick. The Lord bless you. As New Testament priests, which everyone in the room is, we don't pray in our own name, our own strength, our own power. (laughs) As New Testament priests, we are to start every activity of God, every day, but especially this prayer, we're to start this prayer of blessing in a posture of deep humility. Deep humility, appealing not to our name or all our Bible knowledge, but appealing to the name of the Lord, which is always the highest authority in every region, in every room, in every country, in the whole universe. The highest authority is the name of the Lord. Not the name of a church, a ministry, a pastor, a leader. No, the name of the Lord. The Lord bless you. Does that make sense? This prayer is not by our might. It's not by our power. But it's by his Holy Spirit and by his name. This is really good news for us. You know why? It takes all the pressure off. We're pressure free when we pray for people according to this blessing. It takes all the pressure off. We don't have to be awesome. We don't have to feel like we're super energized and full of faith. We just got to obey this scripture and appeal to his name. And as we pray, he's going to fill us with faith. We open our mouth and he'll fill it. The Lord bless you 
and the Lord keep you. What does this remind you of? Again, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. Number 6, Matthew 6. Number 6, Matthew 6. There's a corollary, a parallel. How does Jesus tell us to start the Lord's Prayer in the New Testament? Our Father, who art in heaven, the highest authority, again, hallowed be my name. No, your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That's four gods in the first phrase of the Lord's Prayer. None of us. We just sang it. It's all about you. It really is all about him. It's not about us. And again, that's freeing. When, we're died, when we've died to ourselves, our own reputation, our own name, our own dreams, ambitions, oh, it's so freeing. It's so freeing to wake up dead to ourselves. Oh, it's, it's the best. It's the Lord bless you. It's our Father. Your kingdom come. Your will be done, right? Y'all feel free? Good. All right, next phrase. The Lord bless you. This word bless in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word barak. Like Barack Obama. Bless Barack Obama, Lord. Get his heart. I want to be with him for billions of years in heaven. Barak is the Hebrew word for bless. You know what it literally means? This is wild. I didn't know this until I searched this. It literally means to kneel. So what are we doing here? We're asking God to kneel down to our prayer target. Don't stay up in heaven. I want you to kneel down and come into this situation. Kneel down. You have a place of supremacy and authority. You're way above us. But would you kneel down like a father kneels to his child in need? Jesus, would you kneel down? To my prayer target. Isn't that cool? That's what the Lord bless you means. God, kneel down. If you stay up there, I'm sunk. I need you to kneel down and help me in this situation. More fully, Barak in Hebrew means to do good for, to advocate for. My mom has advocated for me since before I was in her womb. <laughs> She's been the, the best advocate for me. I'm so thankful for advocates in my life. But the Lord is the biggest and best barocker, the best advocate, <laughs> right? To do good for, to advocate for, to seek the benefit of that prayer target. So God, seek the benefit, advocate, kneel down, do good for. Look at how Jesus barocked the children in the New Testament. Look at this. He says, let the little children come to me. Was he a, a high and mighty king on a white horse? No. He was, let the little children come to me. And then he said this, and he, it was said of, of this situation, and he, and by implication, knelt down, Jesus knelt down and picked up, he took up the children in his arms, laid his hands on them and blessed them. This is the scene of what we pray for when we say, the Lord Barack you. The Lord bless you. Summing it all up, this is what we're praying in this first phrase. Jesus, would you kneel down and pick up my prayer target? If it's a person, a nation, an ethnic people group, kneel down and pick them up and do good for them. Advocate for them. <laughs> Seek the benefit of. And our God loves to bless. Next phrase, the Lord keep you. The Lord keep you. What does this mean? In Hebrew, keep means to shamar. The Lord shamar you. Shamar in Hebrew means to preserve and protect. To preserve 
and protect. So what are we praying here? The Lord preserve and protect you or our prayer target from all evil. I, I have this picture as I was going over my notes. Every time I went over this phrase, I saw the picture of the Lord's hands coming around my prayer target. The Lord preserve and protect you from all evil. 360 degrees of protection. The Lord preserve and protect you. Here are some New Testament verses that give more light to this prayer from number six. Matthew 6, 13, the Lord's Prayer. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver or keep or preserve or protect us from the evil one. You prayed that like 20 minutes ago. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3. I got a prophetic word one time that I was about to enter a 1 Thessalonians 3.3 season, that it was appointed for me to suffer affliction for my stand for the gospel. Todd Adams, he's watching down in the cloud of witnesses right now, he said, you know what the answer for that affliction word you got? It's 2 Thessalonians 3.3. You got the 1 Thessalonians 3.3, not a good, I mean, it's a good prophetic word because it saved my life, but it's not as, as great as breakthroughs coming and upgrades are coming, right? <laughs> So the answer for 1 Thessalonians 3.3, the affliction of Satan, is the Lord is faithful. The Lord is loyal, dependable, on time. The Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you, keep you from the evil one. He can say, Satan, you can go this far and no more. And that's what happened in my life. I've lived out that verse. It's real. Put your name on it. Take it to the bank. And then the best analogy I can think for this phrase, the Lord keep you. Colossians 3.3, for you died. We died to our old self. We wake up dead. We're free. And your life, Chelsea, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden inside of Jesus, and Jesus is inside of God. You have two layers of the Godhead that Satan has to go through to touch you. And sometimes there's appointed times where God allows, just like he did for Job, Satan to touch that person or you, to train you, to get you stronger. He's sovereign. We don't get it all the time. But I can tell you this, I'm way stronger after going through that affliction than I was before. God uses it all. You are hidden inside of Jesus, inside of God. Two layers of the eternal Godhead that devil has to go through to get to you. That's kept. The Lord keep you. That's preserved. That's protected. This is the analogy. Russian dolls. Who's ever seen this, right? So here's God the Father. There's Jesus. There's you. That's kept, preserved, protected. Anytime you're feeling warfare, remind the devil that you're inside of Jesus, inside of God. And here's one more bonus free. Guess who's inside of you? Holy Spirit. <laughs> My friend, Holy Spirit, right here. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Do y'all feel protected and kept? So pray that. Think about that when you pray. <laughs> For the people in your life, that God would protect them like a Russian doll, but way better than that cheap Russian wood. All right, next phrase, verse 25, the Lord make his face shine upon you. What does this mean? 
This Hebrew phrase is synonymous with a smile. So what we are praying for here is for the Lord to smile on our prayer targets. We're asking here for the Lord to remove his just anger, his just wrath, his just displeasure from our prayer targets, and instead, smile over them. That's what this phrase means. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord smile over you. Smile over the Jewish people. Smile over my children. I want to qualify here that we're not asking God to smile at their sin or unbelief. No. What are we doing? We're asking God to smile at who he made them to be. We're asking God to smile at his perfect plan for their life, to smile at his destiny for their life, and to apply that and to impart it. Habakkuk 3.2, one of my favorite, favorite verses. In a time of great end-time wrath and judgments being poured on the earth. What's one of our main prayers? Habakkuk 3.2. Lord, in your wrath, remember mercy. Remember that you want to be merciful and gracious to my prayer target. You want to choose this 99 times out of 100. Because God delights in mercy over judgment. We're going to see that next. We're asking God here with this phrase, the Lord make his face shine upon you. We're asking God to give our prayer targets a new name. Their old name, justly, righteously, God is looking away from them because he can't look on sin. God is of holier eyes than to look on sin. So God's face for many billions of people in the world is turned away in anger. His face is turned away in displeasure and their current name, most of the world's current name is forsaken because of their sin. What we are asking God here is to change their name, which he wants to do, to Hepzibah. That's Hebrew for my delight or my smile is in her. My delight is over her. My smile is over her. That's what we're asking for. God, give them the new name that you want to give them. That's the prayer. Does that make sense? I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. He said, why should man fret when God smiles over them? There should be no worry when you feel or see God smile over your life, Juice. A look of approval from God, what does it create? A deep, delightful calm within the soul. When God smiles over, over us, we can handle anything. And that's the prayer here. Next phrase, the Lord be gracious or merciful to you. The Lord be gracious to you. Gracious in Hebrew is Hanan, Hanan. It's really similar to Barak with a little bit more specificity. Hanan means to bend or stoop in kindness and mercy, to bend over from the balcony of heaven in kindness and mercy to an inferior, to someone who's inferior in power and position than you. Who's inferior to God in the room? Yes, so we need his Hanan. <laughs> All of humanity is inferior. All of creation is inferior to the uncreated God. So he's saying, God, release your Hanan. Bend or stoop in kindness and mercy to all the inferiors in the world, which is everyone. Guys, when we pray this, I want to make it really clear, we are not twisting God's arm to be merciful or gracious to our prayer targets. Guys, God is waiting, according to Isaiah 30, I want you to get this picture of God. He is waiting, not like this, 
looking at humanity, ready to strike them with judgment, ready for them to make one error so he can pounce on that and say, I knew you're terrible. God is not like that. God is waiting on the edge of his seat. God is waiting on the edge of his seat, not to strike them, but to show mercy, to show grace. God is on the edge of his seat for every single person you pray for to show them mercy and grace, to bend or stoop in kindness to an inferior. He is on the edge of his seat. How can I say this? Because the Bible says it. Look at Isaiah 30. He says, therefore, the Lord will wait to strike you with judgment? No, the Lord is waiting on the edge of his seat by implication that he may be gracious to you. He is waiting to be gracious to humanity. That's why people don't evaporate the first time they sin. That's why they can go 99 years completely cursing God with their lives. And he still waits to be merciful and gracious. <laughs> And look at this next phrase. This, this will blow your mind. And there, you can keep it there. And therefore God will be exalted, meaning he will take his place as the highest authority in the universe. There's no one higher than him. He will be exalted to come down with the hammer of judgment or, or, or penalty. That's what most people in a high place do. They come down with hammers. What's his hammer? He will be exalted. Why? So that he may have mercy on you. God takes his seat as the highest authority in the universe to have mercy on humanity. Meaning, if he's at the highest place, when he gives someone mercy, ain't no one can undo that mercy. No one can say anything about it because he's at the highest place. No devil, no man can undo the mercy of God that he wants to give to people. No height, nor depth, angel, principality, nothing can separate us from the love and grace and mercy of God. So what are we praying for here? The Lord be gracious to you. We're praying for God to strike our prayer targets, not with judgment or penalty, but with mercy. Lightning bolts of mercy. Strike them with your love and your mercy so you don't strike them with your judgment. We're asking God to bring down his hammer because he's at the highest authority of grace and destroy all their unbelief, all their demonic strongholds. The greatest picture is the prodigal father <laughs> in the New Testament in Luke 15. He is waiting on the edge of his seat on his front porch not to lay it in to his son who's just wasted all of his money. He's waiting to show mercy. <laughs> Do you see that? That's our father in heaven. He's always doing this for everyone we're praying for. Just waiting. <laughs> this leads Micah to say, and this leads me to say this morning, who is a God like you? Who is a God like you? You do not retain your anger forever, for you delight in showing mercy. That's what we're praying for when we say, the Lord be merciful to you. Next phrase, the Lord lift up the light of his countenance or face upon you. Who's heard this phrase before? The Lord lift up the light of your face upon my prayer target. This is a prayer, guys, for God to release the light and favor of his face upon the prayer target. What does light mean? It means so many things. But light primarily is truth. It's the knowledge of God. It's beauty. It's order. 
And ultimately, right here in this phrase, I believe it's the light of life, the light of eternal life. This is the saving light unto the salvation of the human soul. That's what we're praying for here. The Lord lift up the light of your countenance upon my prayer target. Save their soul with the light of the gospel of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's what that verse in the New Testament says. Look at this. This is a salvation prayer, this phrase. Look at this verse in 2 Corinthians 4. But our gospel is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light, or we say light, the light should shine on them. For it is the same God in Genesis 1 who said, let there be light, who has shown in our hearts, the same phrase, he said, let there be light in Rebecca's heart, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face, it's in one locality, it's in the face of Jesus. That's where the light emanates from. So we're saying, God, shine your saving light on that person who the devil has blinded. Does that make sense? This is a salvation prayer for our prayer target. We are asking God to say, let there be light over the 14 million unbelieving Jews. Let there be light in their hearts to give them the saving light, knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen? Last phrase. The Lord give you peace. <laughs> the Lord give you peace. Peace in Hebrew, what is it? Shalom means completeness, soundness, wholeness, 360 degrees of well-being, tranquil serenity. I love the phrase, nothing missing, nothing broken. This is shalom, nothing missing in your physical body, in your emotions, or your spirit, nothing broken. What's the name of our Savior in Isaiah 9? Prince of Peace. So what are we doing in this little phrase? It's like Five words, the Lord give you peace. What are we saying? As we speak this prayer phrase, we are inviting for another person, we're inviting the ruler, that's what prince means, the ruler of the supernatural realm called peace. Peace is a different realm than most of humanity lives in. We're inviting the ruler of this realm, a kingdom, prince of peace. It's a totally different realm. We know it because sometimes we're not in that realm and we're fretting. <laughs> what are we doing? We're inviting the ruler of this supernatural realm called peace to impart, to infuse the realities of this peace realm onto our prayer target, to overshadow. This is how I pray for Brooke. To overshadow and envelop them with the supernatural qualities of this all-encompassing shalom. So here's the example of how to apply this prayer. I'm going to do it for Brooke. Lord, would you, as Prince of Peace, impart your total well-being and complete wholeness to Brooke? That's some of those qualities. Would you cause there to be nothing missing in Brooke, nothing broken in her physical body, in her mind, in her emotions, and in her spirit? That's what this phrase means. Isn't that cool? All right, so what are the results of all of this, of this blessing well, the Lord's clear. He gives us the results in the next verse. He says, when they do this, when the New Testament priests apply this blessing, they will put my name on the children of Israel. The Lord here is summarizing the result. Worship team, you can come up. The Lord here is summarizing the result of when priests 
Again, who's a priest? Of when you apply this blessing in faith to your prayer target. What does our God say happens? Nice words come out and nothing really changes? No. What does he say? He boldly states that his very name, which means his presence, his person, his character, that name, his character and presence, will be applied, infused, dare I say spiritually tattooed on the souls of the people who receive this blessing. Think about it. When someone's name is on something, it means it's their possession. It's their prize. It's their property. So what does this prayer do? It helps to transfer people from the possession of Satan, where Satan is written on them, to the possession of Jesus. You got that J on your hat? It's just like that. The possession of Jesus, the God of Israel. Guys, when we, do you see the authority we have to put God's name on people through prayer? That's so cool. When we faithfully apply this prayer as New Testament priests, we are, like with baby dedication, we are dedicating our prayer targets to the name of the Lord. And we are claiming them for God's kingdom. Now, I have to qualify this before we close. Ultimately, guys, we can't violate people's free will. This prayer will not subvert anyone's salvation decision that they have to make for themselves. Each of our prayer targets still has to choose to receive the blessing of his name and to become a possession of the Lord. Every single person we pray for still has to accept the right to become a child of God. That's what it says in John 1. I've given you the right to become a child of God. But what will this prayer do after that qualification? It will make it way easier for that person to say yes to Jesus. It will give that person way more frequent opportunities to say yes to the engagement question of Jesus. I think every time we pray this for someone, Jesus gets on his knee all over again saying, will you be mine? That's what happens when when someone says yes to Jesus. Jesus gets on his knee and says, will you be mine forever? Will you take my name? Will you take this engagement ring of the Holy Spirit until I come? So when you pray this, you're causing Jesus to bend down, to stoop down on his knee and ask them all over again. So the more you pray it, the more opportunities people have to say yes. Is that simple? And think about this. Ultimately, on the last day, everyone, every single person on the world will have a name written on their foreheads. For one camp, it will literally be the name of Satan, 666. It'll be written literally on people's foreheads. For other people, the people of God, spiritually, not actually there, but spiritually, there will be a name on everyone's foreheads. It's a child of God, holy to the Lord. Do you see the authority we have in this verse? And then he says definitively, last phrase, I will bless them. The Lord... He doesn't qualify this or water it down. He says, I will bless whoever you bless. Because our God is covenanted to us as his New Testament priests, he can't help but to bless the people we bless. That's what covenant means. He can't help but to bless the people we bless because he's covenanted to us. And guess what? He cares about what you care about. 
even down to your dog or cat. He really cares about them. How much more does he care about the souls, the eternal souls that you're praying for? Our God loves to bless. He's on the edge of his seat to show mercy to the people we care about and pray for. And ultimately, I want to invite us all to stand to our feet right now. Ultimately, who is this ironic blessing primarily for? Trivia. Israel, the Jewish people. You know what the verse actually says? So you will put my name on the children of Israel, the ethnic Jews, the ethnic descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So we have to primarily pray it there before we pray it of our own family even, or our own city. But guess what? We've said it many times. I'll say it again. God loves to bless those people who bless Israel. Genesis 12, 3. I will. There's another I will. I will bless those who bless the ethnic Jews. And I will curse those people who curse the ethnic Jews. Guys, he will go above and beyond to bless our families, our prayer targets, and even us as we stand with the Jewish people, ethnic Israel primarily. So let's do that right now. Guys, to close out this message, we are going to face east, which is right over here. This little corner where Jana is, she's kind of always at the corner facing east, probably because she's an amazing intercessor. Guys, we are going to speak this blessing. We're going to take this verse literally and speak it over the children of Israel as Aaron's, as Aaron's in the room, as New Testament priests, as Melchizedek's. So if you need to look at the screen to get the words right, or you could just repeat after me. But let's speak this over the 14 million Jews worldwide. This is going to activate our priesthood. This is going to activate the ironic blessing with a New Testament lens as we speak this. So in Jesus' name, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom. All right. Let's activate it over our families. You can go back to slide 19. So we're going to face now towards our home, like where you live in the area or your future family. If you don't have a family right now, pray over your future family. But let's face our home. So this is north, this is east. Our home is, is this way. So I'm going to face my home. And again, we're going to activate our priesthood with the ironic blessing. Let's pray over our spouses, over our kids, over our future spouses, over our future kids. If you don't know where you're at, you can just pick a location and pray that God gives you a better house there. <laughs> let's pray this over our families. Let's speak it. Guys, this isn't just nice words. This is real. So they shall put my name and I will bless them when you do this. All right, repeat after me. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom. Amen. So you guys have put the name of Jesus on your families and God is covenanted. He doesn't water it down or qualify it. He will bless those we bless. Dad, I want to invite you up. Now you guys, y'all have prayed for two targets. 
we want to give back. As Moses is, we're not as cool as Moses, obviously, but that's the implication with the parallel of the New Testament lands. We want to bless you guys as the children of Israel, the children of Austin that are the children of the Lord. We want to bless you, and we're going to speak this blessing together. There's so much power, synergistic power and unity. We're going to speak, my dad and I are going to speak these words together over you guys. Just open up your hands. We're going to stretch out our hands like Aaron, and we're going to speak this. So in Jesus' name, you just receive it. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Now my dad's going to speak it in Hebrew. <laughs> just for extra emphasis. Because <laughs> he knows it and I don't. <laughs> Yevarechecha Adonai, Beish Melecha. Yaer Adonai Pana Belecha, Leunicha. Yesad Adonai Pana Elecha. Yesad Adonai Pana Elecha. Vayesem Lachai Shalom. Vayesem Lachai Shalom. Altar prayer teams, you can go ahead and come up and be available. Marissa's going to sing the blessing over us again, so we're going to get a third round of blessing <laughs> for a third effect. We can't get blessed enough, right? Altar prayer teams coming up. If you have any prayer need, any specific prayer need, I invite you to come up after this song. We're officially dismissed after this song. You guys have an amazing week. I love you guys. I love praying for y'all. Let's go. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.